0: So here's the deal. We, we wrap up James, we're in the end of James, and um, we've been journeying together for some time, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and flop it open. There's two more verses left, and James, if this is your first time here, you get the last two verses. Um, we'll be heading on to a new book of the Bible um, after about four weeks. Um, we'll kick that off when school starts, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody what that is next week. Um, so. With that said, I've been thinking about this last little section, and it's had me thinking about great human achievements, and that'll make sense in just a minute when we get to it, but I've been thinking about what are just great human achievements in the life of man. So I've come up with a list of seven, and you may have better ones than I do, but here are my seven greatest human achievements. Um, Number one, I think, in in no specific order, of course, Um, ocean travel. I think that was a phenomenal human achievement. Looking out at the ocean, I know many of you guys have gone to the beach already this summer. Some of you guys are just getting back because I can see your bronze skin. Um, and looking out at the ocean, and that sucker's flat, and the first person who harnessed the courage to go, yeah, I'll get in a boat and try that. That's a good achievement, all right. Um, that courage to just go and explore, that's a pretty good achievement. It opened and unlocked the world. Um, vaccines, I think we would all agree, is a fantastic human achievement. To harness the power of biology and health. And um, this may show our ages, but how many of y'all remember the video game or computer game, DOS game, Oregon Trail? Remember that? All right. Yeah. How many of y'all's family, whole family died from dysentery in the game? Yeah. You know, I'm talking about malaria, dysentery. Right. And and then all the young people are like, what are they talking about? That's not on Fortnite. Um, Vaccines, I think we'd all agree, is a fantastic human achievement. Um, The man on the moon, if it really happened, conspiracy (laughs) theory, okay. The man on the moon, great human achievement, harnessing the power of technology to break gravity and to land on the moon. I mean, that's a great achievement. Um, Roger, Roger Bannister breaking the mile barrier in four minutes. It was said could never be done. And Roger Bannister said, all right, let's get it on. And so he broke that four minute barrier. And now they break it all the time. Nike last year, do you remember they had the marathon runner trying to break the marathon in two hours? And he almost did it? Two hours and 25 seconds? Uh, Great human achievement, just kind of harnessing the power of determination. Um, The pyramids, fantastic human achievement. If you're not on Google Earth, you need to be. And just go look at those things. The power of innovation, just kind of harnessing that to build. Um, The internet is my number six Uh, We all should agree that that is a great human achievement. I mean, you can talk to somebody in Budapest right now while I'm talking, and the Internet translate for you what they're saying. That's a powerful achievement. And then I thought about number seven, which is probably my favorite, um, the greatest human achievement, um, chocolate-glazed donuts. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Amen. And Krispy Kreme, they nailed it, all right? There you go. Um, Harnessing the power of just kind of yumminess. Not to mention other things that may have made your list. Fire, electricity, Bob Baumhauer's chicken wings and cheesy fries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Makeup. Yeah. yeah. Amen? Amen? (laughs) So here's the thing. All of these fantastic human achievements, and James today is going to give a stab at it. So that's a great list, there's one human achievement um, that is greater than the rest. In other words, what he's saying in these last two verses that we've been studying now for 25 weeks is if you forget everything else I've said, these last two things are the greatest thing that a human can be a part of. The last two things that are found in the book of James. So if you don't see it that way, then, then you'll misunderstand what the whole book of James was about. It may seem odd, those last two verses, if you don't understand that's his point. His point is, everything else has been phenomenal, but if you miss it, at least cling to these last two things, is what he's saying. So, with that said, I always like to give you a wrap-up. Here we go. 25 weeks, five chapters, one of our shorter books of the Bible, 108 verses, 1,742 words, and 54 commands towards Christ-likeness we've journeyed together. Over the past, if I calculated it correctly, some 56 hours together in study of Christ's word through James together. That's a great journey. I love you, church, man. I love doing this with you. This is our 14th book of the Bible that we'll close now. And maybe Revelation's next. Probably not. Um, (laughs) But with that said, uh, would you stand up in honor of these last two verses? As James kind of peers into the greatest human achievement man can be engaged in, not breaking earth's gravity, but helping others break into heaven's doors. Not moving the weight of bricks to form a pyramid, but moving the wrath of God from unbelievers to see his love. Not microscoping in to see how we can remove a temporary disease, but focusing in our lives on the one who can bring eternal life. It's time to say goodbye to our friends so here we go James 5 19 and 20 let's read aloud together my brothers if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins you get to be a part of tragedy and a beauty. Lord Jesus, thank you for your text. I pray today as we examine it briefly that as you've done over the past 25, 26 weeks, um, you'll use this passage to just draw us closer to you. That we won't live lives in Northport and North Tuscaloosa about our own glory, but will in some way That you'll use us vagabond rebels to be a part of somebody else seeing the great news and hope and forgiveness of Jesus. So Jesus, plus nothing, is what we want to see today. Jesus, exalt yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Well, let's do this, church. Let's go through it. Um, So again, before we get to the beauty, you'll never understand the beauty unless we see the tragedy And the tragedy, he begins by saying, is this. First, he addresses the target. The tragedy of wandering away from the faith is the target. Notice the word he uses, anyone. Anyone is capable of wandering from the faith. That's bad news. And so the the faith, the the hope in Christ, anyone is is, is capable of this. And um, I can't tell you how many times that I've had the phone call of, of, of someone saying, hey, I need to meet with you this week. I'm like, great, let's meet at Edgar's, let's do this, donuts and coffee. And them say, hey, before we get there, I just need to know that you're going to be shocked when I tell you what I'm going to tell you. To which I respond, there's nothing (laughs) that you can tell me that will shock me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I say, no, 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 you don't understand. Whatever you've done, I can almost guarantee you I've been there, brother. Number one. Um... But, but here's the thing, James hones in and, and I do think a lot of times we do get shocked when somebody's wondering and, and we're shocked number one because of just the sin itself and then number two, maybe not the sin or who fell into it and that's kind of that mature, that, that young faith and that teenagery faith but once you get to mature faith you're not really shocked anymore because we're all prone if you're human, you're prone to wonder the song we just sang but as we mature in faith, it's not the shocking anymore, it's just sad. It hurts to see someone we love wandering from the faith, doesn't it? It stings. Because it's not a joke anymore. It's not a gossip point anymore. It's we love that person and we want them to see the beauty of eternity in a right relationship with the God that created them. And so it, it stings. And so James starts that way. He says, my brothers, if anyone... The the teacher that we loved wonders from the faith. The child that we taught wonders from the faith. The singer that sang and we, like we felt it when they were singing. You know what I'm talking about? They wonder from the faith. The person that always hugged us as we entered in wonders from the faith. The person we took communion with wonders from the faith. The person that we watched get baptized wonders from the faith person that we served on mission with, wonders from the faith. The the person that ate at our table, wonders from the faith. That bald-headed, weird-looking preacher guy, wonders from the faith. James says, hey, if anyone, if you're human, you're prone to wonder. If anyone wonders from the faith, and I know some of you theologians right now already, like you're so mad at me right now, already because of your theology. We're not going to go there right now. We've talked about that. Um, I, am, I am perseverance of the saints all the way. So we we talk about that later. But right now, the reality of James is pointing out is the Bible calls us to be unique and distinct as Christians. And sometimes people find themselves not unique nor distinct in Christ. What do we do? And James says, this is a big tragedy, but there's a beauty coming, but he's not there just yet. So in other words, James says, is self-examination good? If you're in this room right now looking at me, or James, not James, but you know what I'm saying. Is James up there? (laughs) That would be weird. Um, If you're examining yourself going, man, Am I wondering from the faith? James says, that's good. Self-examination is good. And then maybe it's not you, but maybe it's somebody that you love and you know. And you see them banging against those guardrails. Is it good for you to see that? And James says, yes. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. As a matter of fact, it'll get you to the greatest human achievement. But we're not there yet. So first, he addresses the target. Anyone Second, he addresses the issue, this issue of wondering. And wandering away from the faith is a slow, progressive journey. It's not something that happens instantaneous as casting crowns. I believe the lead singer is Mark Knoll. Or, or, no, he wrote Scandal Image. Of, I don't know what his name is. Um, the slow fade, that song, The Slow Fade. It's that he's right. And James uses this word, wandering. I found myself wandering at age 11, um, not in my faith, but at DeSoto Caverns. Wandering with my parents, we're headed down a path, and I wanted the freedom of exploring the paths on my own. And I said, Hey, I'm gonna take off. And my dad said, I don't think that's a good idea. And I said, I'm 11 years old, I'm a grown man. And now at 43, I wouldn't even say that. Uh, you know, I, I, so, so, so I head off and he, and he lets me go. I didn't want to be on the same path as him. And I didn't want to be on the path with the people that were on the path. I wanted my own path. And so I got it. And lo and behold, was awesome for about the first 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden, nobody was around me. And I felt lonely. And then all of a sudden, the sunshine decided that it was going to go down, and I know the earth spins, whatever. Right? The sun is disappearing, and the darkness began to fall on me. And in that moment, my heart starts beating real fast. I begin to hyperventilate. I am frigging out. Right? And that wondering just, it didn't happen instantly. It was a wandering progression. And that's what James says. He says, don't be shocked when anyone Any human is capable of wandering this. They don't need the path of Christ. They don't need the people on the path of Christ. They want freedom and they get it. And it's all fun and games until darkness closes in. And here's what it looks like. And maybe you've seen this. A Christian that you love dearly says, "Ah, I I don't need to serve anymore. I don't need to fly my gifts. Because all I do is serve and give, and who is there to serve me? What am I getting out of this? Slow fade. That turns into, I don't need the spiritual disciplines. I don't need to pray. I don't need to study. I don't need to grow. I don't need those things, and it justifies it this way, because I've got grace, and grace is all I need. It's a skewed understanding of grace. What I need is a nap. A nap. It's a slow fade. And that no longer serving and that no longer growing in the disciplines trickles into, I don't even need church. Human organizations. Number one, it's not human. Number two, Christ bled for it. I've got a small group and I can watch church on the internet. It's Dangerous, man. It is, that is a dangerous slide. And then it slips into, I don't need to serve, I don't need spiritual disciplines, I don't need church to this. I don't need anything because me and God have our own thing. Me and God got our own thing. And the problem with that is that God's thing requires the things above. (laughs) And so we go, me and God have our own thing, which is really just intoxicated self-babble for, I have my own thing and I am my own God. And it's that slow fade. And then life trickles from pursuing Christ and his love to pursuing friends and hobbies and habits that please us. And James says, anyone is capable of one. You don't fall. You fade. That's what he's saying. And so James's plea with us to close out the book of James is, if no one else will tell you this, James says, I will, because it's a big deal, a really, really, really big deal. And so the tragedy is laid out before us. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, now here's the beauty. But someone brings him back. And with that, there's that breath of life. With that, there's the shaken can that the pressure's inside it, and all of a sudden you can already feel the gospel cracking and releasing the pressure. Psh, but there's hope, but there's grace, but there's something else. James, tell me about this bringing back thing. And this bringing back is the greatest human achievement you can be a part of. So he goes on to say this. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, and someone brings him back... Let him know, number one, that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, A, will save his soul from death. So, not only can we discern wandering, but James says we can do something about it. It doesn't have to be just the way it is. Well, they're too far gone. Stop it with the too far gone. You know who's too far gone? This dude. You know who's too far gone? You dude and dudettes. We're too far gone. And the glory of the gospel is there's a coming back for wanderers. There's a light that finds us on the path that though we've gone, it says, hey, come this way. You're banging against the guardrails. There's, there's hope. This is the greatest human achievement. And he says why? Because you'll save his soul from death so in other words we get to be a part of reclamation and we live in a reclaiming world brother how many of y'all got reclaimed furniture all in your house right now you know it's it's painted with that molly jolly paint or whatever it's called what's it called annie sloan close molly jolly annie sloan molly jolly i knew it was a lady's name y'all got that in your house you know i'm talking about and we live in this culture of reclaiming things Entire cities right now are being reclaimed. Tyler LeFoy would move one one today if he could. Whole cities are being rebuilt and restored and reclaiming. Every stitch of clothes I have on me right now came from Plato's closet. We reclaim clothes, which is a little creepy because I could be wearing what you wore last month. It's just a little strange. We live in this culture of reclaiming stuff, and James says, listen... We get to be about a part of something greater than reclaiming clothes, but reclaiming people who are wandering far from the Lord to bring them back into a right relationship with Him. That's the greatest thing we can be a part of. Because these clothes will mold. I don't know if they mold, but but they'll moth-eaten. They'll go into ash. But eternity is forever. We get to be a part of that. So he says... You save their soul from death. You can give somebody all the money you have, but that money will still run out. You can give somebody all of your skills, but their hands will still grow weak. You can give somebody all of your knowledge, but their mind will still grow empty. You can give somebody all of your internal organs. You don't want my internal organs. I can promise you that. But they'll all decay one day. But as believers, we can give people the grace that Christ alone offers and actually alter the eternal destiny of their souls that's a high achievement and then number two not only be a part of eternal reclamation but extinguishing damnation we can cover a multitude of sins I know some of y'all's theological radar is so mad at me. Bradley, you're so mad at me right now. I know it. We'll talk about that later. But, But this is James. When we help bring them back, we help cover a multitude of sins. Cover, fascinating word. Literally means to blanket. My daughter who is the most beautiful person in the world, other than my wife, of course, um, and who, I don't have favorite children, but she could be my favorite if I had one. Um, But she's the only girl, so I don't have favorites, okay? So, anyway, um, she loves to go to sleep in the coldest of rooms, and so she'll lay on the couch sometimes, and you know how it is, you get wedged, you know you get wedged in that thing, you get all snuggled in it, and because it's so cold, she'll just kind of find herself in that crease, and that's where she gets her warmth. And so she's halfway in the couch and halfway out of the couch, just stuck down in there. And one of my favorite things as a father to do is to see her that way because she's all balled up, and to go to the corner beside the piano and get a blanket and then bring it back in. And I love to get that and, and just lay it on her. And then I can't just lay it on her. I like to just snug it in. You know, if she don't even know what's going on, and I snug it in on her. And it brings her comfort. And how do I know it brings her comfort? Because she's freezing and all balled up, but about 20 minutes later, she's kind of uncoiled. She's laying back on her back with the blanket all snuggled up, all cutie-pew. And I get to be a part of somewhat of her comfort. And as fun as that is, James says we get to be a part of not giving people warmth, but covering them with the gospel that covers a multitude of their sin. That's better than any blanket you've got, even if your blankets heated. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, yes, theologians, God alone does this. There you go. Now, you don't have to stab me when I walk out of here. You won't stab me in the sternum with a spear. God alone saves. Yes, the Holy Spirit of God alone saves. Yes. But be careful. Because sometimes saying, well, God alone saves, I don't have any part of it, is just an excuse for you to be lazy. When the gospel in James says, you go and you tell your brother there's hope. Yeah. Is God the one that will finally get them off the guardrails? Yes. Yes. But it's your mouth that he uses. It's your hands that he uses. It's your hug that he uses. It's your willingness to step into the messiness of someone else's life that he uses. And praise God, can I get an amen for the person who spoke to you, who were hands to you, who hugged you with the gospel. And God used them to cover a multitude of your sins. Be that for somebody else. And that's way better than any pyramid you can build, brother. Although I do want to see one of y'all try it one day. So with that said, as we close James, man, it's been good. May we live redemptive lives reclaiming wandering souls for Christ. And with that, we close the book of James. Band, come on back up. Church, there's some cool stuff going on right now. God's doing cool stuff. He's doing stuff all over the place, but... We have a little pocket that we get to be a part of here in Northport and North Tuscaloosa and its surrounding areas. The fall's coming. But I really believe through the book of James, God has allowed us just a season to just rest and just to examine where we've been. And if I wasn't afraid of some, well, let's leave this. <clears throat> we've been on a heck of a ride for the past two years <laughs> we're not the theater church anymore and what God's doing now is different and for the past couple of years we've, we've kind of been oh yeah but at the theater there were 700 people and it felt this way and those chairs were really comfortable Troy <laughs> and they were, they were awesome Amen, they were comfortable. The screen was big, the atmosphere was blah, 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 And now there's a church down south and a church up north, and, and, and I don't even know who we are anymore. And I think it's been timely that we've hit the book of James, for the book of James to go, if your identity is being the, the theater church and not a follower of Christ, then your identity is wrong anyway. And so praise the Lord for the book of James. That said, back the bus up. Who are you in your speech? Who are you in your use of money? Who are you in the way that you love people? Who are you in the way that you handle gossip? Who are you? And he nailed us in 54 areas. Pow, pow. To finally get us to the point of, here's who you are. You're loved by Christ. You're saved by grace. And your job is is to go tell somebody else that they're loved by Christ and can be saved by grace. So may the gospel draw our wandering hearts to the Lord and fuel us to help other wandering hearts be loved of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thanks again for the book of James, for our journey through it together. Thank you for all of the areas in which it has called us to live for you and now as he calls us to live outwardly to take what's internal and to be outward I pray that our church would be known as a church that is not the brother in the prodigal son story who's mad When a vagabond walks in, who's not furious when the wayward find home, but will be marked as the Father, who graciously opens our arms and says, Yeah, 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 Jesus loves you and we will love you too. Oh God, that we'll be marked. As a people proclaiming not us, not what we do, not our show, not our whatever. But we'll be marked as people who go, look at Jesus. He's awesome. So Lord Jesus, may all of James in our hearts push us closer to you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand up? So maybe today you know somebody that's wondering and my challenge to you will be walk out of the door of this place and figure out a way to love on them. Love them to the gospel. Tell them the good news of Christ. Help the wandering soul come back. And then number two, you may find yourself today as one of those who are wondering. Repent. Draw a line in the sand today and go, today Lord. I give all of me to all of you. And then again, as we close it out, for all of my theologians who are, again, mad at me, uh, we'll hang out at Edgar's all week long. And we'll discuss these things. I love you guys. Um, The rest of the summer is going to be awesome.